The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, said a sign hanging over them. Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping. A plump woman outside an apothecary's was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, 16 sickles an ounce, they're mad. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes, and strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eels' eyes, tottering piles of spellbooks, quills, and rolls of parchment, potion bottles, globes of the moon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to One. Lust, the glorious and groovy exciting new podcast where five uncharacteristically sedate Harry Potter walking tour guides take you on uh, a mind journey in glorious geekish detail around every single Harry Potter book location in chronological order uh, using the power of imagination, our exciting and dynamic voices. Today, we will be uh, shopping for facts ooh, in ooh. Diagon Alley. It's the Diagon Alley episode, everyone. Hooray! I'm very excited. And uh, joining me today behind the scenes are Steph knows more than all of us put together black and Nick dazzling arcane tech skills Ollivander. Huzzah! And here in the studio are... Hello, I'm Greta Granger. I'm a proud Hufflepuff, and today I'm going to be talking about our favourite Diagon Alley shopping haunts, some of which are actually haunted. Huh. Ooh. Uh, well, I'm Alex Scamander. I'm also a Hufflepuff, and you know the drill. I'm going to be talking about the books and the movies' differences, and where they were. it was filmed, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm Nick Longbottom, and I have some opinions on where Diagon <laughs> Alley is, uh, alongside some interesting tidbits on other versions of the alley. And I am Will Hagrid, uh, so named because I look a great deal like Lavender Brown. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm mostly going to be talking about um, Yorkshire and Scotland land, which is not its real name, it's called Scotland in real life. <laughs> Back you learn something more every time. <laughs> yes. I've been saying it wrong for years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so if you want to know where this sh- uh, street was filmed, Diagon Alley, well, I've got a boring answer for you. Uh, it was filmed <laughs> what in... What <laughs> Yeah, it was just filmed in the studios, sadly. Um, although what the one thing that is quite cool, I guess, really, is, is very cool because you can actually, of course, go to the Warner Brothers studios in Watford and you can actually see the set, which you can't say for a lot of locations because, because when they're real-life ones... Uh, they don't actually look like them anymore a lot of the times. And it's brilliant. And I must say, it was the first time out of the locations that we've so- talked about so far in this podcast that it did look like how I imagined it in the books. I've got to say, I don't know whether you guys mm-hmm. um, felt any, uh, similar. Very much. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, in, in the book, it's it's a big sensory overload and you really yeah. get that from the from what they did with the set. It's, it's Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it sort of helped that there was no point of reference for it. And unlike something like Privet Drive, where I did sort of imagine my grandparents' streets, uh, there's no real point of reference for Diagon. Well, I mean, I guess there's arguments for some real life. Uh, oh, very much. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get to that later. Oh, we are all uh, going to fall out. Absolutely. Yeah, this, <laughs> this will be also the last episode of the series. <laughs> I know that J.K. Rowling, when she visited the set for the first time, had a very similar emotional experience. Like, she really felt that as well, which must be so 
such a good feeling the designers to have mm. su- such approval from the author mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but yeah. even though you know i would i would argue there's it's a very there's a lot of similarities between its appearance in terms of the events that happen there's quite a few differences i mean going back to your amazing fact for, from the end of last week's episode greta about the wall that you have to uh, go through to get onto the alley it i sort of always forget because of course in the film you have to tap in a certain order of uh uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what kind of bricks they are? Yeah, we've got, we've got to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone call you Bricky Nicky by any chance? Just because <laughs> they of your... will now. <laughs> yeah, but in the in the book, you just have to tap it like once. Just tap the wall with your wand. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I get, you know, it's that difference again between film and book. J.K. Rowling actually had a drawing that she did of this very moment of the bricks unfurling. So this mm. was something that she did mm. when she was first writing the books, and she said she lost the drawing. And she found oh. it after they made the film. So she oh, said, no. I, I, I perfectly mapped out exactly how the bricks were. They weren't supposed to shift aside a bit like they do in the film. They were almost yeah. supposed to like circulate and form an arch over Harry right. yeah, and yeah. Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a really good drawing. She's actually really good. It's, She's it's a fantastic illustrator. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone's listening, Google J.K. Rowling drawing diagonally walkway or something, and it will definitely come up. She's so good. Cool. There, there was a few in the British Library exhibition, weren't there? There were a few of her pictures and original. There were, yeah. Ideas. Yeah, a lot of character stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and like Dean Thomas was quite prominent in a lot of the group, like a lot of the kid group stuff, because um, mm. of course he was supposed to have a big role. Uh, yeah. Steph Black, our wonderful yeah. producer, has just pointed out he was also called Gary back then. Uh, Gary. <laughs> I was amazed, because I think I saw the same interview that you watched, Greta, where it, she talks about the brick picture that she found. Mm. And the how, 2001 like, one, right? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, the fact that she'd written out every single person in the year group and, like, mm. their yeah. allegiances, their preferences and all of their history. Oh, and like, and um, how magic they are, which is yeah. interesting. Yes, yeah. yeah, they're, like, family history and everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Sorry, Alex, you were talking about No, 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 it's back, yeah. <laughs> back to bricks, guys, come on. Um, <laughs> No, I just, in my little headcanon for the movie logic of like it being a sort of a little password on, on the wall, is that maybe it's to stop drunk wizards coming from the leaky cauldron and being all rowdy down Diagon Alley. Because if they're like, too oh. drunk to remember the sequence, they can't get down. I love that theory. So that, that's what I've accepted now, is why oh. it's so complicated in the movie. Um, <laughs> Who needs bouncers when you got bricks? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, of course, the first place they go to when they actually got onto Diagon Alley is, is Gringotts um, in both the book and the movie. And we've sort of decided, haven't we, to leave Gringotts for the next episode because mm. uh, there's so much to talk about with Gringotts. So I'm going to go from straight after that. One big difference, I think, between the book and the movie, of course, is that Harry goes to Madame Malkin's, or at least we see this, uh, where he meets Draco for the first time, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans must forget that mm-hmm. that is actually where they first meet. But it is the first time in the series we get our first bit of Hufflepuff bashing from mm. Draco. Oh, um, and I think this is where everyone's bigotry stems from, uh, honestly. Because <laughs> Are you sure? You sure it doesn't yeah. stem from the fact that Dumbledore <laughs> just says, and everyone else go to have to No. <laughs> Everyone's I just think... sheepishly following the great role model that is Draco Malfoy. Absolutely. Me and Alex pre-planned <laughs> yeah. this speech, actually. This yeah. is something that we organised podcasts ago, and this is the time we decided to drop this. Liberate the Hufflepuffs. <laughs> um, one thing I think they really missed, in the film they skip over all, all the shops apart from Ollivander's, and that's understandable, of course, you know, because they want to get to Hogwarts as soon as possible, but I think they really missed a trick with the movie, where they should have had like some kind of 80s uh, shopping montage in the movie, where Harry's going around <laughs> trying on different robes um, and trying different cauldrons, and you know, Hagrid's there with a thumbs up 
poker a thumbs down or shaking his head. Loads of eggs out of a cauldron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris Columbus, you really missed miss out on a trick I mean, there. Yeah. Why didn't you direct the film, Alex? That's what I want. Mate, yeah. honestly, I mean, I was 10 years old is probably one reason. <laughs> well, Harry's only 10 when the, the books begin, Alex. True. He saved the world. Oh, repeatedly. my Lord. Well, yeah, there's one thing we've learned from this podcast is that I should have directed this. Yeah, if this teaches anything, it's that Pufflepuffs are as rubbish as Draco says. Oh, hang on, hang on. This is not, this is not the outcome of this podcast. That's what we've just learned. I mean, you, you, just, you said earlier that we were going to fall out this podcast. You were trying your darndest, <laughs> but it's about to happen, this. This is the moment. But of course, the most significant shop that Harry goes to in both the book and the movie is Ollivander's, where he gets his wand. Mm. Well, I th- always found it was strange in the movie that when Harry's trying wands, he's destroying half of the shop, which does not happen in the book. It's purely Ollivander gives him a wand. Harry holds it for, I think, less than a second or a second. And, and mm. Ollivander's like, no, which, you know, says a lot for Ollivander's skill, you know, as a wand maker. Whereas in the movie, again, it implies every kid that goes in there, something. do they end up destroying the shop? Like, how does this work? Or is Harry just especially stupid? Yeah, His overheads are enormous because he's got to keep refurbishing. He can't be insured at all. No, yeah. no. <laughs> so Ollivander's like, can we just do this outside, please? You know, why do we have to do it in my shop all the time? And then he gets the right wand and, you know, and in the book, again, there's red and gold uh, sparks that come from it, which is kind of cool imagery. Whereas mm. again, in the movie, you've got your smoke machine, you've got your fan, you've got your weird spotlight thing. Of course, a bit of John Williams' amazing score over there. And the most interesting thing they did was that they slowed down the footage from 24 frames per second to 120 frames per second. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to leave you, you with that. that. Like That's it was my last cheekiest thing you could think of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hundred and twenty. Oh, well, Steph's asked to do what? Uh, it's so in the in the movie. <laughs> okay, you're just undermining my whole ending now, Steph. But uh, <laughs> how does it feel it, to be undermined on a podcast, Alex? <laughs> just, just I don't like it, Greta. I'm going to be honest, and I'm oh, sorry oh, for every time I did that to you. <laughs> yeah. D- damn it, Will. We can't infight Alex. That's yeah. what they want. So I know. I know. No, it was purely. It gives the illusion. Where so the footage in the movie it just is a tiny bit slower and it just gives it a more dramatic impetus. Yes, that that was some words I learned this week. It it does. (laughs) I suppose it's clearly one of those moments that she went. This is significant. You need to keep this in. Yeah, and it is. Of course, and of course, it's so significant that about the core and stuff, isn't it? Mm, I feel like if Harry got a one that was not of uh, the same phoenix feather. Harry would have died in Goblet of Fire, easily. It's all the luck of the draw, really. Because Priory and Cantatum, that saved him. Yeah. There is fierce yeah. debate uh, about where the real Diagon Alley is. Mm. Uh, the yeah, contenders, as far as we are aware, are uh, the Shambles in York. Oh. Um, there's uh, a couple of streets in Edinburgh, actually. It could be uh, Victoria Street. It could be Candlemaker Row. I've seen Rose oh. Street written down somewhere. Um oh, wow. Uh, it could be Gandhi Street in Exeter. could be Mont Saint-Michel in France. Um, where's Artillery Passage? Oh, so that's near Spitalfields Market. There's, ah, okay. there's actually a video on YouTube of a guide saying, and this is where Diagon Alley is. And I thought, that's the first I've heard of this. That's insane. <laughs> Wait, how did he say that? As if that was where it was inspired or where they filmed it or what? So they think that Ollivanders was actually filmed down there at a shop called Otto Lenke, I think. That's what they oh, say. Which, wow. again... This sounds spurious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm. London's got a few, of course. There's also Cecil Court. Yeah. yeah. There's the, the film location. There's um, uh, Leadenhall Market. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's lots. Yeah. Lots and lots and <laughs> lots. And lots. But what are the key ones? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do an opening salvo. Um, in defence of the city of York... 
Um, I I love York. It's it's where I did my undergraduate degree. My heart thrills at the mention of the place. Uh, and oh. the shambles is um, uh, for many people at least the aesthetic realization of how Diagon Alley should be. It, it looks almost identical to how I think everyone imagines Diagon Alley. Yeah. Um, mm. Big overhanging shops, little winding cobbled street. It's narrow. Everything's a shop front. It's all packed in. It's really lovely. Um, there is a rumor that the uh, the set designers who later built it in the studio went to the shambles to have a look and sketched oh. and took photos and took notes. Um, but annoyingly, though that's all over the internet, I can't find any solid evidence either way. <laughs> um, so I just choose to believe it's the case. That doesn't um, stop as well. Come on. No, no you're, you're quite right. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely got that sort of vibe, hasn't it? It's very mm. uh, yoldy. Yeah, you and know, of course, yeah, yeah. there's now four separate individual Harry Potter shops on there. Um, of course. The first and best one, uh, the shop that must not be named, started by my good friend Cat. Cat, uh, if you're oh. listening, you're excellent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reviews are in, Cat. <laughs> JK, of course, would have passed through York on her way to Edinburgh. Who knew if she stopped? Um, I, I think. Probably we can't conclusively conclude that the shambles is Diagon Alley, but it looks yeah. so similar that, hey, it might as well be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're right that we can't conclude it's there, because you're wrong! It is, in <laughs> fact, um, I think, categorically, Exeter. Uh, Gandhi Street in Exeter, in fact. Have you been to Exeter, any of you chaps? Oh, yes. No. I have, yes. Yeah. Well, then you know I'm right. So, uh, Exeter <laughs> is a, a first-class <laughs> university town. It's where the most exceptional <laughs> and attractive students attend, like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Didn't you go there, though? I did, yeah, but I, I don't like to brag. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, as we've learned from over the years, J.K. Rowling, she's very good at assimilating little experiences and places uh, and histories into her work. So, I think it would be surprising if her uni years, you know, which are the big formative years of your life, didn't find their way in some form into Harry Potter. Uh, it's a very magical uh, city, Exeter. It has many haunted pubs and passages, much like York. Uh, lots of antiquated buildings and sort of ruined uh, walls and lamplit roads. There's even a statue on the village green of an old man with a large beard and pointy hat uh, that students oh. rumour to be Dumbledore. Nice. Um, That's fun. Yeah. Wait, how, how old's the statue? 4,000 BC. Oh. So then before <laughs> Harry Potter then. Is, I, is I'm going to need some backing on that before I believe it, Nick. <laughs> That's not my main argument. Ignore that. That's a tangent. <laughs> 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 so Gandhi Street, which is my contender, uh, it's between the main high street and Exeter Central Station, diagonally off from the main road, in fact. Uh, it's an ancient Ooh. byway. Uh, that's so ancient, it's likely to have had Roman feet walking alongside it, so it's all cobbledy and ancient. Uh, it's very pottery. They have uh, sort of distinctive hanging signs going all the way down the walls, much like in the uh, set. There's also a quote from J.K. Rowling saying, Gandhi Street is absolutely my inspiration for Diagon Alley. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Shut that, your voice and your handwriting. Yeah. Was this in a dream? I mean, I can't... There might have been a quote. It's just been lost in time. Uh. Curiously... Uh, when I was walking through there one time in Exeter, there was a parrot sat outside uh, the pub inviting <laughs> people in to drink. So I'm convinced it was an animagus. A, a real, a live parrot? A live parrot being like, drink! That's just evidence of pirates. 
I thought you, I thought you were going to say the parrot quoted J.K. Rowling saying, "Yep, this is <laughs> My case rests, ladies and gentlemen. Well, <laughs> I feel like you undermined your whole argument with that uh, fake quote, to be honest. So. Well, I tell you, I could make a really very weak argument for this somewhere in uh, France. Um, that claims to be diagonally. Wait, so that was the strong argument? <laughs> yeah. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's for the people to decide, because I think that I've made a pretty good case. You um, know what they say, Nick, end on your weakest argument. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> parrot too- told me. He's got a parrot, and that's enough for me. Um, but there's a medieval monastery tidal island in Normandy called Mont-Saint-Michel, uh, and on this island there's sort of many sort of rambling old alleyways crowded with... Uh, curios and charm, uh, especially Le Grand Rue, which similarly to the other inspirations has many shops selling old artefacts and medieval weaponry. Um, so this is the the French attempt to say this was Diagonelli. Any okay. French listeners who are grievously offended by Nick's accent there? <laughs> A parrot said it. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't Nick, it was yeah. his parrot. <laughs> well, Greta, perhaps you'd like to rebut? <laughs> I was just going to say on Artillery Row, that's where they rumoured it to be, but I don't believe in that at all. So... If it's possible, I think my argument's even weaker than Nick. So, Will, I think <laughs> you you're going to have to come oh, in and save this. There's certainly no parrot in it. Well, okay, so the, <laughs> no. one of the one of the main, main, main contenders is the city of Edinburgh, where J.K. was living when she actually wrote the books. Fun little yeah. tangent, uh, she wrote a lot of the books in Edinburgh's cafes. Mm. Which one? Well, uh, at least three. At uh, the same time? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> magic. Uh, <laughs> um, How could anyone be in two places at once? Oh, <laughs> ten points. Thank you. <laughs> ten ultimately meaningless points. Um, <laughs> I've won nothing, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, the cafes. Um, <laughs> they are uh, the Elephant House. Um, yeah, that's the classic one. Um, and the Traverse Theatre Cafe. Those are the ones we know about. The Elephant House is um, the most famous of them. It really goes to town on marketing the Harry Potter connection. Uh, And it's actually shown by J.K. Rowling herself in a really sweet early interview. Um, The Mm. books are just starting to get popular, uh, and she's dazzled that they've sold 30,000 copies. It's really sweet. Oh, wow. It's so lovely. It's on Vimeo, if anyone wants to watch it. Um, Oh, oh, I I have a very small... Possibly interesting tangent. Um, on Twitter, I saw, I just glimpsed the other day. Um, someone had put, "Oh, what's your best sly dig comment?" Did anyone see this? And no. J.K. Rowling commented, um, saying like the best sly dig she'd had was from uh, a friend or acquaintance of hers, who'd said something like, "Oh, I always thought of um, writing a, a children's book, and uh, and when I saw that yours was a bestseller, I thought, oh well, if she could do it, anyone can." <laughs> and is that what friend a billionaire now? Is that, <laughs> that friend was torn apart by parrots. Rightly so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the Elephant House. It's it's a great place. Um, I should say I've spent some time in Edinburgh myself. Listeners who are new to this, we all have lives outside our Harry Potter lives as well. <laughs> Do in we? My outside one. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian, <laughs> and uh, my kind descend on Edinburgh every year in August. <laughs> <laughs> my kind. There's also Spoon, formerly Nicholson's Cafe, which was owned by J.K. Rowling's brother-in-law. Um, oh. And so uh, they didn't mind her taking up their table for hours and hours on end, nursing one espresso and water, apparently, while she wrote lots of books. The Elephant House claims it's the birthplace of Harry Potter, uh, but it's very careful and <laughs> it puts inverted commas around the word birthplace. Yeah, um, I hate that. Um, she did write lots of the books there, I should say that. Um, mm. Or lots of, lots of the books. Definitely Prisoner of Azkaban <laughs> and, and probably lots more. And there's yeah. a really good view out the back window of Edinburgh Castle, which is supposedly the inspiration for Hogwarts. 
I myself have done some writing there. It's a very good place to do it. Oh, and so has Steph, the producer. (laughs) Everyone's written. It's it's great. Uh, The Traverse Theatre Cafe. There's a bit of an anecdote. J.K. Rowling uh, met John Tiffany, who then later directed Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yes, Um, I know this story. Yeah, back in the day when she was actually writing the the original books in the Traverse Cafe. They'd they'd wave to each other. Wow. uh, Yeah, yeah, because he was always there meeting theatre types and she had a pram. (laughs) <laughs> and they recently released a book about the making of Cursed Child, which is where I read it. So he got hired unrelated to that. They didn't like know, know each other, but he got hired because of the producers. And then when they kind of met each other properly, mm. she was like, why do you look so familiar? And he was like, it's because beca- he'd, he'd worked out who she was obviously quite a while ago. And he was like, because we see each other in this theatre in Edinburgh. And they're like, oh my God, it was meant to be. That is um, so crazy. Yeah. If only she'd known. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's three main ones. Um, there's Victoria Street, uh, there's uh, Candlemaker Row, and there's Rose Street. Got to do Rose Street first because it's the it's got the weakest link. This is from uh, the blog Mad as a Fish, um, which we've used before. It's a very good blog. Mad as yes. a Fish points out that there's a big aesthetic similarity again, like the shambles, uh, with Rose Street. Uh, it's a cobbled street. Uh, it's somewhat hidden, but it doesn't really much go beyond the aesthetics. Um, the one that certainly secured its place in Harry Potter fandom lore as the Diagonale uh, is Victoria Street, if you go with the Edinburgh hypothesis. Uh, it, it looks a little bit like Diagon Alley. On, quite honestly, not very much. It is yeah. diagonal, but it's more curved than diagonal. The connection really here comes from uh, J.K. Rowling being in the area while she wrote it. Victoria Street leads down onto the grass market, which is what is overlooked by the Elephant House Cafe back window. Oh. Candlemaker Row is on the other side of the grass market, so they, they sort of... Uh, Edinburgh's two main Diagon Alley contenders form a V-shape onto the grass market. There's now about five Harry Potter shops there alone. Is there? Um, well, I say that more like four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting carried away. Oh, get get Max crazy exaggerator, you will. Do I say five? I mean four. Sorry. <laughs> There's four and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to deceive anyone here. <laughs> um, one of them's uh, rather fun. Um, it's uh, it's called Museum Context. They are in a building which was, for most of its life, occupied by Robert Cress's Brush Shop, the world's most famous brush shop, which sold, among other things, actual broomsticks. Um, it closed in oh, 2004. I hate to be our doubting Thomas here, but when you say actual broomsticks... <laughs> Did they fly? That's not the original function of a broomstick, Nick. (laughs) I think you'll find it is. You clearly haven't read the books. (laughs) No, they they, they were also used for brushing things. And uh, yeah, I did actually genuinely forget that a broom was used for something other than sweeping. Yeah. And it's now mostly a Harry Potter shop, which is appropriate. Uh, There's also a, a, a joke shop on the street. Uh, it's called oh, 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 Jokes, which is excellent. Um, <laughs> it's a bit on the wow. nose, but we'll accept it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other one's Candlemaker Row. It's much smaller than Victoria Street. It looks a lot more like Diagon Alley. Um, and mysteriously, a plaque did appear on uh, one building of it um, in the dead of night, I think, saying, this was Diagon Alley, pretty much. Oh, wow. um, well, I'm pretty sure that's a fake, because I have a quote from J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, but it's Nick, almost... J.K. Rowling put the plaque up, so... <laughs> there is one thing about Candlemaker Row, though. It's a bit of a quarter for Edinburgh's occult uh, universe. 
Now it has a place called Black Moon Botanica, which sells esoteric equipment, magical stuff, and scented candles. Um, and a cipher... <laughs> For Mother's Day, you know? You want to yeah. have something. <laughs> so Edinburgh. Nice. Um, strong But I would have thought that claim. Like, <laughs> Diagonally yeah. would be more London-based. Well, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Are you? Uh, <laughs> because, well, to be honest, I think I've got it quite easy in a way, because this is where we go on our tour, isn't it? Uh, to Cecil Court. We briefly mentioned it a bit last week in regards to the Leaky Cauldron. So I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail with it, partly because when everything gets back to normal and our tours resume, I don't want to spoil everything for you guys. I want to encourage everyone who's listening to come on our tours. But one thing we knew is that J.K. Rowling... Uh, knew the area because she used to work near there uh, at Amnesty International. It has a similar issue to Victoria Street in my opinion because it looks a bit like it with shop signs hanging out and it's got quite an old aesthetic of course but the shambles in York and maybe Gandhi Street look more like it but I Definitely Gandhi. do think, no no no, <laughs> let me finish uh, but I do think Cecil Court and Victoria Street actually have a better claim on being the inspiration, in my opinion. But a few things for Cecil Court, like I said, the location, it's literally just off Charing Cross Road, which is where we know Diagon Alley is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's a street near it called Goodwin's Court that is said to be an inspiration for Nocturne Alley, and it's probably where, almost certainly where, where the filmmakers got a lot of the designs for Nocturne Alley, and that is diagonally across from Cecil Court. But yeah, we're going to talk more about that later in a later episode. <laughs> and also it's near a tube station, which is how we know Harry and Hagrid got to the Leaky Cauldron in the first place. There's also a fantastic shop in it called Watkins Books, which is supposed to be one of the world's oldest esoteric bookstores. Um, it's rather amazing. But things that go against it, in my opinion, is the aesthetic is not that similar to how Diagon Alley probably should look like, and certainly how it looks like in the movie. Um, there's also not really a pub very near it, <laughs> which I think would have helped its case a bit more. But yeah, I, I've often talked about this, of course, on tours. I'm sure you guys have as well, where people go, oh, but I've seen this thing. I've seen this place when you try and talk about Cecil Court being mm. the inspiration. And I will often concede with most of these things that JK, I'm sure there's multiple inspirations and not ever just mm. one. This is the only thing that it has inspired me. Um, and I would definitely... Uh, <laughs> <thank> <laughs> Steph, the producer says, giving in like a true Hufflepuff. <laughs> Or well, I'm not giving fair, in. Like a Huckle exactly. Carry exactly. On. Yeah. Thanks. Carry thanks. Thanks. The Greta. flip on. <laughs> no, but, but I've always argued um, that Victoria Street has definitely had a claim. But I think Cecil Court. I think between those two are probably the inspirations. Mm. But Diagon Alley. Nice. Well, if yeah. we're talking about like maps and layout and stuff, has anyone seen the House of Mina Lima map that they did for the Harry Potter films? Mm. It's no, absolutely brilliant. So for people who don't know, obviously uh, Mina Lima were two people who did the graphic designs for the Harry Potter films. And they created this wonderful map for Diagon Alley, which if you just Google image search Diagon Alley map Mina Lima, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, it's it's brilliant. It's got a lot of the classic shops from the original Harry Potter books. But I will say it's not actually very Diagon Alley, which is an interesting <laughs> omission, I thought. Hmm. So we also have Ilop's Owl Emporium. Uh, which obviously is where Harry buys Hedwig and everything that, or Hagrid gets Hedwig for Harry. And you've also got Twilfit and Tattings, which Twilfit is a play on the words "it will fit," which I quite like. Ah, yeah, there you go. Confident salesmanship. Yeah, there you go. And also you have Flourish and Blots as well, which of course is possibly one of the most favourite famous bookshops mm -hmm. on Diagon Alley. We're selling a wonderful array of shops, including The Invisible Book of Invisibility is a book you could buy there. 
Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Or Lovely. could if you could find it, which a lot of people couldn't, which I love. Huh. Yeah. You also have, of course, Gilderoy Lockhart did his signing of the book Magical Me there in <laughs> August 1992. And I always think it's sometimes hard. It's quite hard to contextualise when things happened in the muggle world versus when things happened in the wizarding world. So yeah. I've actually... I've aligned some wizarding events with popular muggle songs that came out around that time, just so we get a real <laughs> idea of when this happened. So, for Very example, cool. Gilderoy Lockhart's book signing came out around the same time that the muggle song Baby Got Back was released in 1992. Oh, what fun. So they got oh, what fun. <laughs> the moving wizards jamming to that as they were queuing up. Very appropriate. Very, very appropriate. And also, has anyone heard of the theory of Draco in the bookshop, of him ripping out the page? No. No, tell me, what is it? So this is an amazing theory that I read ages ago that I, I just can't shake. So this doesn't happen in the book, but in the film, when the camera first pans to Flourish and Blots, you can see Draco's on a staircase and he's holding a book and he rips out a page and then snaps the book shut and walks down. Yeah. And I've always wondered, what, why does he do that? It's a very odd detail to include. Is he just randomly yeah. vandalising a book? And there is a yeah. theory, which I love, is that the page he rips out is actually the page that Hermione holds when she's been petrified, talking about basilisks. And a really? lot of people oh. believe that because Draco heard his father talking about the monster being a basilisk, spoiler alert, guys, sorry, and <laughs> he then found it in a book, ripped it out, and because he didn't want to be seen to help the trio, he sort of half gave it to Hermione because he stands next to her then for the rest of the scene. And people believe that he slipped that page into her, I don't know, rucksack, book, whatever. And that's how she got the page. Oh, hmm. that's yeah. a level of um, that would make him like almost Snape levels of double agent. There. Yeah. yeah, I don't have that mm. much faith in Draco, honestly. Uh, he obviously redeems himself later, but I don't think he's that. I can't imagine he would do that, would he? That early on, I mean, in, in his sort of well, I don't probably know. just a, a naughty would... sketch. Yeah, I, like I love it. that. It's probably just a moves. <laughs> it's probably just a random dog. <laughs> it could yes. have been a random dog yes we have a couple of real live supposed real life locations for Flourish and Blots has anyone heard of I don't know if I'm going to say this right at all Livraria Lello in Porto, Portugal no. Oh, keep... the bookshop! Yes, yeah. Yes, I have. See yes, Guardia Reviosa, but it's not it at all. But <laughs> apparently it has this big, beautiful staircase, which is joined at the bottom, but then splits at the top, very Beauty and the Beast-like. Mm. And it's just, if, oh. again, it's just someone Google search it. It's absolutely beautiful. And this is supposedly, because J.K. Rowling lived in Portugal for a little while, so a lot of people believe that she actually used this very bookshop as the inspiration for Flourish and Blots. And these days, isn't it the case that you have to pay to get in? But if you buy a book, they take the price of entry off the book. Do they really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a nice oh, idea. They like the Harry Potter connection, but it was killing their actual business. So they've combined yeah, the two in, a, in quite an honourable way. That is a very yeah. good way to do it. That's very clever. I also, yeah. at this point, wanted to give a special shout out to the Big Green Bookshop in London because <laughs> Piers Morgan, who is not a Harry Potter fan, which he has publicly stated many times, he said that he was very bereft that his son was a major Harry Potter fan. So what this bookshop did, they tweeted the whole of the first Harry Potter book to him, 140 characters at a time. Magnificent. That's just, magnificent. Just to completely oh, troll in the dungeon him. It was just amazing. <laughs> Fantastic so, phrase. So there you, go. there you go. Oh, that's glorious. So we also have Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlour, obviously operated by the lovely Mr. Fortescue. Now, do you remember, he was actually cut from the film. He wasn't included in the film at all, mm. which was mm. a real shame. Yeah. 
But did we know that Mr. Fortescue was supposed to have a far bigger role in the Harry Potter books than... No! Mm-hmm. I did know this, but I don't know what the role was. Do you know? Killed Harry's parent. So- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was Voldemort the whole time. Voldemort's hiding on the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He actually Just- hoped Harry was lactose intolerant, so when he gave him free ice cream, he thought he was going to give him a stomachache, but sadly it didn't really work out. Yeah. <laughs> Philosopher's cone. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go back to Mr. Fortescue, because otherwise we'll be here all day. So there was a narrative where he was supposed to be far more involved. The idea was that he was, obviously, he was going to be taken away by the Death Eaters, which he was, again, spoiler alert, and he was going to be rescued, and he was supposed to tell Harry some really important stuff, I think, about the Elder Wand and some other Horcruxes as well, because, as we know, he's really interested in magical history. But then J.K. Rowling decided, Mm. nah, actually, we're not going to do that. So she just had him kidnapped for nothing. And... um, Yeah. I just really want a good recipe for ice cream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One other shop we do have is we have Scribulous Writing Implements, which, as we know, was ransacked in 1996 uh, by the Death Eaters, which was the same year that Spice Girls' Who Do You Think You Are came out as well, which I think is, is actually very apt for what the Death Eaters were doing at this yeah. time. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Stealing all these <laughs> you books. Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> but so, Nick, so sorry, you had something to say about the French street. <laughs> Just the French. I love the slight disdain you injected into the word fr- about the, the French, French street. street. <laughs> yeah, so, well, I mean, there's there's apparently also um, uh, in Mina Lima maps of the French version of Diagon Alley, of like where all the, um, you know, the little French wizards access it through a bronze statue. The little French! <laughs> for, Nick, you, you can't know. say that. That's, no, but they're small, like child wizards. I'm not saying the French are little, I'm saying when they are little wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Parisian equivalent oh, of Diagon Alley. Uh, is, uh, at the junction of Boulevard Voltaire and Rue Richard is a place called, uh, it's called Place Caché, uh, which means the hidden place. That's ah. where uh, mm. the young young wizards access it through a bronze statue. There's also, of course, that she spent a year studying in Paris, which lends credence to the idea that uh, the uh, alley I mentioned earlier could the inspiration for Diagon Alley. There's also Rue de Montrancy in Paris, which contains one of the... (laughs) And this is uh, the oldest building in Paris from the 14th century, 1407, in fact, uh, and built by the famous alchemist Nicolas Flamel. Uh, And of course, there's there's a street named after him, isn't there? Rue Nicolas Flamel and uh, Rue Perronel, which intersects with it, and Perronel was his wife, with whom he constructed the stone. Oh, wow. Oh, I really didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. So um, we, should, uh, we should start wrapping this thing up, I'd, uh, I'd have thought. Um, yeah. Alex, I, I believe you have a scintillating, sizzling fact for us. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but the original bits on Google Map, you could go down to Street View and you can actually see Diagon Alley on Google Street View if oh, what, you select the, it the, in the, the studio. In the studio, yeah. Oh, that's great. And I think it's the same for the uh, Florida um, theme park as well. There oh. we go. So I suppose, uh, in conclusion, we can say we don't know where Diagon Alley is. <laughs> Gandhi Street. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the Shambles and Victoria Street. Um, well, thank you very much indeed, listeners, for uh, listening this week and joining us in the bustle of Diagon Alley. Come along on a tour once we're back on the streets. See the inspiration location with us, um, by which we mean Cecil Court. We go there. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy following Harry's journey, then... Uh, 
don't ye forget to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or, you know, the other podcast places uh, so you can catch up with us next time. Or if this is the first one you've heard, go back in time, you fools. Catch up on the... Um, <laughs> didn't mean to call you fools there. You're probably very intelligent. <laughs> We've offended so many people. <laughs> <laughs> we like you if you're Hufflepuff too, to clarify. Anyway. Um, ah. uh, too little, too late. So yes, um, uh, if you are up to date and up to speed on these, then continue chronologically forwards as Wanderlust takes us to the bank. We're taking Ooh. a trundly cart underground to Gringotts. So, listen to that. It'll be very good. Um, <laughs> good den, everyone. Mischief managed. Is it over? <laughs> <laughs> Are we free? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>